Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Sunday and Saturday, because that's how weekends work. Um, Jack is a homeowner now, so he's got a, a, a little word on uh, bank profits and things like that. I'm sure he's got a pretty firm opinion about that these days. Um, hate speech is back in the news. Uh, Peter Dunn seen it all before. And um, Adam Duritz of uh, The Counting Crows uh, joined Jack as well on Saturday morning uh, there on their way here. Uh, but before any of that, of course, uh, celebration time, Black Ferns, uh, they did the business. They also had 82 million people watching the final. And next year, the Women's World Tournament, the, the Women's World Cup Tournament, is larger than ever. There's going to be 32 teams competing, up from 28. At present, women's team sports are blossoming and growing here and around the globe. I, I don't know, maybe there's a new appreciation for live sport after being deprived of it over the last couple of years. But the numbers attending women's football are very impressive. In April, a new world record for attendance at a women's football match was achieved in Spain. 91,690, uh, over 91,000 people. It's not uncommon in Europe for 30,000 fans to turn up to an international friendly. 68,000 went to watch the opening of the Euros at Old Trafford. And France also managed to pull a crowd of 43,000 at a Champions League semi. These are all women's game, and this bodes very well for next year. Massive broadcast crowds, New Zealand on show, and hopefully living the brand, football tourism, a lasting legacy of better infrastructure for women's football, and a big push for the game. I am starting to get a picture of the opportunity in front of us. This is massive. Yeah, I'm hoping this is getting us closer and closer to... Uh, where we eventually need to be, which is uh, women doing everything and men not doing anything at all, and we can just get rid of men completely. Uh, because, let's be honest, they're horrible and disgusting, and we, we'd all be better off without them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, celebration time. Um, uh, Sumo Stevenson was in the middle of it all. Uh like in the middle of the celebrations, I mean. Scotty, Sumo Stevenson, how are you, mate? Did you get any sleep? Uh, yeah, Piney, I did. I had my lads at home, so I, um, I said farewell to everyone, let them sail off into the City of Sales night, and uh, I'm actually sitting with one of the men that Christina mentioned yesterday, Simon Porter, who's here supporting his wife, Hannah, who's been a huge part of this Blackburn success. So we're down at Britomart in Auckland, Piney, an enthusiastic crowd building in the drizzle, and... Uh, Thank you, Aotearoa Day today. Blackburn's expected on stage in around about 15 minutes' time. Terrific stuff. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the game, but more so what Christina mentioned there about about the way forward. Uh, as I've, I've said a couple of times, this can't be an end point. This has to be a launching pad. What, for you, has to happen now? Uh, people just need to keep showing up, as they have done. Look, there wasn't a single person at Eaton Park last night who didn't have the time of their life. Uh, well, maybe 23 English women didn't have such a great time, to be fair, but... Look, it was just an occasion for the ages. I've been to Eden Park. I've been privileged to be there covering sporting events, watching sporting events. If that night's not in everyone's top three, then something's wrong with the picture I saw because uh, the spirit of the crowds has been sensational, phenomenal, actually, all through this tournament. Uh, The fact that Eden Park has sold out now, or sold out to its stated capacity twice during this tournament, I think is further proof that this game is marketable. 
this game can drive revenues and this game is worthy of investment. The investment has to keep coming. Oh, what an opportunity for a seamless segue into the next segment. If only I hadn't just said that and drawn your attention to it. Uh, Because speaking of investing in things, Jack Tames invested in a new home, which means uh, he's basically given over all his money to the bank for decades. That's how mortgages work. I thought my girlfriend and I would share a delicious dinner. I'd bring in my bed, make it up with my fanciest linen and slip between the sheets for a glorious night of rest, blissful in the peace and security of my own four walls. Instead, I spent my first night in my new home alone, tossing and turning and tangling a sleeping bag on a blow-up mattress with fever dreams and a dehydrated mucus mouth. Thank you, COVID-19. There will be other milestones to celebrate. My first night in a real bed, our first meal at the dining table, our first full mortgage repayments. Gulp. So many people have reassured me that after a few months, oh, you just get used to paying the mortgage. You don't even think about it. Well, given the size of my mortgage, I'm not quite so sure I will be forgetting about it anytime soon. Doing the maths makes me want to kind of throw up in my mouth just a little bit. But even though over the course of my adult lifetime, I'll be paying the equivalent of several years' income in interest payments, there is one little thing that I keep reminding myself of in an effort to quell my disgust. Sure, I will be handing over hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest, but at least I will be handing it over to a New Zealand-owned bank. Keep that in mind when you consider the various news developments of this week. I'm not suggesting the system is perfect, but don't forget, as customers, we still have choices. Yeah, I can't understand how people are still getting COVID. I thought it was over. Isn't that weird? Oh. Be careful out there, guys. Um, now, uh, also be careful out there with what you say. Uh, hate speech. Uh, it's becoming another hot topic. Uh, here's what Peter Dunn has to say about it. Is there a problem with hate speech in New Zealand that is not addressed by current legislation? Well, I'm not sure that there is. But I think the issue here is that we all, you know, at one level we all know what's unacceptable, insightful, racist, bigoted, intolerant speech. The difficulty is how you define that in practice and how you don't end up catching what is the legitimate expression of albeit an unpopular or unusual opinion. And I think that's the that's the bind here. The law's got to be very absolute. And I think in an area like hate speech it's going to be difficult to define it so tightly that you don't end up catching yeah. um, someone who just says something's daft or unpopular. What are the actual laws? What can you what can you not say currently? Under- I'm not sure what you can and cannot say, but there are provisions under the Race Relations Act, and I think there are certain provisions under the Crimes Act as well, that govern what is considered to be insightful or improper or, uh, if you like, um, uh, speech that really goes beyond what's acceptable. And I think Chris Finlayson's point, as I read his article, is that if you look at those provisions and apply them um, rigorously, then you don't need to go down the path of, of hate speech legislation. This has been around for a couple of decades now in various guises, and it's had various sort of reasons driving it. Firstly, it was speech that was um, perceived, perceived to be anti-gay, um, the gay community. Uh, then it moved on from that. It's now got this whole connotation of racial incitement post the Christchurch terrorist attack. Uh, and I think you know, the license given to social media, etc., sort of expands the boundary. But the problem is defining what it is 
we're trying to curtail and making sure we get that target and not catch a whole lot of other targets along the way. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, it's part of that sort of what price freedom debate, isn't it? Like, how free do you want to be? Do you want to be free to say the things that you want or no? Um, and and if, if you do, then you've got to be prepared to let other people uh, say some of those things too. Uh, we're going to... Um, I, 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 I'm going to say that because I, I, I hate to hard about what I say. Yeah, because you know these things are recorded. Um, I just want to uh, finish up here uh, by singing instead of uh, speaking. Well, not me, but um, Adam Duritz of the Counting Crows. Uh, they're on their way back to the country. Am I right in thinking that after your first album, you went back to work as a bartender? Yeah. Well, I didn't go back to work. <laughs> just... I'd never been a bartender before that. All oh, right. Why did Why did you decide to be a bartender after what was like pretty extraordinary success? Well, I had just moved to L.A., and the only people I really knew in L.A. worked at the Viper Room. Yeah. And uh, so I was hanging out there every night because those were the only friends I had. Yeah. And it was just less crowded on the other side of the bar. So after a while, you just start helping out. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> you meet people. You don't have to wait in a line. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, at some point, you know, you're somebody has to go to the bathroom. Yeah, right. And you're left tending the bar. And it turns out you can do it pretty well, you know? Mm. And also I made great tips for them. <laughs> I made so much money in tips. The first <laughs> night I did it, they were like, come back and do this every How night. much did so you I make? Did How much did you make in the first night? Off the top of your head, can you remember? $500. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> it was a lot. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't just in the night. I made a couple hundred of it in, in the first 10 minutes yeah. or so. Yeah. My friend went to the bathroom and... I just decided to harass everybody to give her tips. Yeah. She was gone. She came back to this enormous amount of money <laughs> in tip jar. She was like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Every hey, night. People um, have often suggested I should become a bartender. Uh, some of those people are people I work with as well. I think they mean they want me to go away from here and do something else. Uh, but I, I, um, I seem to have developed a reputation for mixing cocktails. But really, all I do is I try and find the most colourful things in the cupboard and I blend them together in the most interesting-looking glasses I can. I don't actually know how to mix any actual cocktails. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I, would that earn me tips? I don't know. Maybe I should look into it. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, that, that's what I've come up with you. Uh, that's what I've mixed together for you today. Uh, uh, who knows what's on the uh, cocktail menu tomorrow? We'll find out then. See ya.